Our first reading for this evening comes to us from the third chapter of the book of Exodus. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, that I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the places of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, that who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain." And Moses said to God, that if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you want to change about your life? Is it a bad habit? A bad relationship? Maybe it's that bad attitude or bad situation, or maybe it's that bad decision that you're still regretting. What is it that you look at and see and that you begin to say that this just isn't right? It's got to change. I mean, the truth is, we live in a society of instant change. You turn on the TV and you can change with just a single tap, tap, tap. (laughs) Is that you can pull up your phone 
And you can just make your way through all sorts of things with a click here and a click there, and everything happens. Food. You just put it in that magic little machine and you just punch some buttons and with a little zap, 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 that there it is. We live in that country and that time that somehow we think that things can get magically better with maybe a product or a podcast or a pill or maybe with four easy payments of $19.99, things are going to change and get better, right? Or at least that's what we hope or what we think. But is that the way the change works? So we're in this series on the book of Exodus as we begin to look at that. And so today we want to be able to look at and talk about how God changes us. For God is right there in the midst of Moses' life. He is there changing him right there in the midst of those very accounts. That God is using that same process with Moses that he uses with us. Now note that word, process. Processes aren't fast. Processes aren't quick. Process, at least a godly process of change, is one that takes time. That Exodus chapter 2 tells us that one day when Moses was 40 years old, that there he came upon an Egyptian simply beating away at that Israelite slave. And Moses couldn't take it anymore. And Moses raised his hand and killed that Egyptian. The very next day, Moses comes and sees that same Israelite, the one who was being beaten and bludgeoned, and he expects maybe a little, thank you, Moses. I appreciate that, Moses. But what did he get? Instead, the Israelite asks Moses, will you kill me too? The fact is that not only is the word out about Moses, but Pharaoh has found out, and now Moses finds himself going to be taken out by that very king. And so Moses picks up and he flees. He leaves all of that life of luxury, all of that very place that he had there within the Egyptian people, and Moses left it all. And he ends up in that dry and that dirty, dusty desert there where he is. Moses then spends 40 years, 40 years out there in the wilderness tending to the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. That's where we pick him up in Exodus 3, verse 1, that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Forty years, all that Moses heard was sheep. That all that Moses saw was sheep. All that Moses smelt was sheep. Forty long years. Talk about being stuck in a rut, wanting something, 
that something's got to change. That we too can find ourselves sometimes stuck in that, those ruts. We get in those places where change needs to happen, where we desire to see something different in our lives. So what is it? What is it for you that you desire to have changed? Is it that fact that maybe you're overly critical of others? Maybe you're overly critical of yourself. (laughs) Maybe you find yourself with your spending far out of control of your means. Maybe it's that relationship, that relationship that's conflicted or cold or simply been on cruise control for far too long. Maybe it's something else, that you've lost that passion, you've lost that zest, lost that passion for work, or lost that passion and ambition to study God's Word, or to seek His face, or to truly follow passionately after Him. That just like Moses, we say this just isn't right, it's got to change. But how? How do we begin to change in this life? See, that's where we begin to see in Exodus 3 this very process of this long and slow change of process that has been at work in Moses' life and is still there at work in his life. For that process of change begins with God's presence. Exodus 3, 2 proclaims that the messenger of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire within a bush. This is no ordinary messenger. This is no ordinary bush. That this is that very messenger of God, that this is that Jesus before He was born in Bethlehem. This is that very messenger, that angel of the Lord, the one who came again and again to His people. Because this is no ordinary fire. That just as Gideon and Amos were called in the midst of a fire, just as that fire of God appears to when God calls those disciples on that day of Pentecost, just as Jesus says that even we will be baptized with fire, it says. That in God's Word, wherever there is fire, that you can bet that there's something going to happen. And it's going to be that change as those people of God are purified and tested and changed by that fire of the Lord. So how how does Moses respond? What does Moses say to this? Moses says that familiar word of Hineni, right? You guys all know that one, right? You guys are all up on your Hebrew, are you not? No. That this word hineni, it shows up a lot in the Old Testament. Moses, Isaiah, Samuel, and so many others, what do they respond when God calls? Here I am. Here I am, Moses says. What does this mean? 
God, I'm at your service. (laughs) Or maybe, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Maybe you've heard that one too. What does it mean, this Hineni word? Lord, I'm ready to change. Here I am. And Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8 goes on to say that then the Lord told Moses that I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I know their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Do you hear those promises in God's words here? That I have known their suffering. That God loves them and knows them right where they are, right where they're at, right in the situation where they find themselves. And yet God goes on to say that I have come down to rescue that God is not happy to simply leave them where they are, and God is not happy to leave us where we are, is the fact is that God loves us too much to simply leave us where we are. That our God comes down with fire, He comes down in His Word, He comes down even today to fire us up and to kindle within our hearts those words and those promises of God's grace towards us to remind us that He sees us where we are at, and He knows our struggles and our sufferings, and He is the one who comes down to be among His people. But that process of change is not simply one that comes with God's presence, but it also is one that comes with God's plan. That Exodus 3, 9 and 10 says, the cry of the Israelites have reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now just think about this. Moses is tending sheep after wandering 40 years in the desert. Does this sound like a guy who's just ready and up for the occasion? Maybe Moses in Exodus 2 at 40 years old, okay. But Moses in Exodus 3 at 80 years old, do you think that he feels ready and up for the occasion no way. Then what is it that Moses replies? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? Notice that God doesn't say to Moses, Come on, Moses, where's your confidence? Where's your self-esteem? Where's your belief that you've got the power right there within you? Where's God simply saying to him, Moses, don't you know that you can do anything that you want if you just set your mind to it? Then why isn't that what God says? That God doesn't say any of that. Why? Because who am I 
is always the wrong question. When we want to change, who I am is always going to lead us to dead ends. So what's the right question? God, who are you? That who is God? That He is the God who indeed changes us through that process as we live in faith and trust. That He is the one who is faithful and true to His promises. He is the one who is at work among us. That He is the one who comes and does and accomplishes what He promises. What does He say in Exodus 3.12? But this will be the sign to you that it is I who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt that you all will worship God on this mountain. Now here's Moses wondering, God, how do I know that this is going to happen? And God says that when you bring these people out, you will worship here on this mountain. Do you think Moses was looking for a sign somewhere out there in the future? Or was Moses looking for a sign right here in the present? (laughs) That I don't know about that one, but I want this one right here. How do I know? But again, what does our God do? He's not interested in instant fixes. He's not interested in shortcuts. What is he interested in? He's interested in that process of change. The God says, you will see my plan unfold, Moses, step by step and bit by bit, that you will see my plan unfold every time that you say, here am I. Now, what does our God continue to call us to? To calls us to faithfulness, calls us to that very working. He calls us to be those that are seeking Him in all things. That we may not make it today, but He is the one who is leading us to that mountain of tomorrow. That I've kind of heard it put in this way. But have you ever picked up like a sheet of plywood that's been out lying on the ground somewhere? So when you pick up that sheet of plywood, what happens? But all of those bugs and insects and everything else just scatter, and what do we want to do? Throw that sheet of plywood down and run, right? But isn't that how change often looks like? We make some moves, we make some changes, and out pops all sorts of ugly and scary things. All of those things that make us afraid and fearful, and what do we want to do? We want to run. So we don't want to deal, we don't want to find that problem, we don't want to go through the hardship or difficulty. What do we too often want to do? want to run away and settle for life in that status quo. We end up sticking with those stupid, stupid, smelly sheep in that dry and dusty desert because we do not want to deal with change. 
But that process of change is not only one that relies on God's plan and His presence, but it is that very fact that it relies upon His provision. That Moses' great response to God after originally saying, here I am, what does Moses say? Now, here's the reasons, God, why I don't think that I'm the guy for the job. <laughs> that I don't, I don't talk real well. <laughs> I don't know your name. You know, that's, that's real awkward for me. <laughs> Is that, you know, like, I'm not really that, you know, as a, I don't know, are they going to believe me? Is that, that also, I mean, isn't there somebody else? I mean, anybody else. I'm talking, like, just whoever the next guy you see is, like, wouldn't he be better than me? <laughs> Moses comes up with his list, and yet God checks them all off. Moses gives him his name, I am, that I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection and the life. That Moses now gets two miracles. God changes his staff into a snake. He makes his hand into his true magic trick, go into his cloak and come out leprous, go back in and then come out. I mean, Moses had a sign right there, and still Moses came up with two excuses after that. <laughs> so what are your excuses? What are your reasons? God, I'm too old. God, I'm too young. God, my life's really not quite in order right now. God, I'm too messed up. God, that train has already left. That boat has already set sail. God, I'm just not the right one. But that voice still speaks to us from that very bush, that very voice that spoke to Moses, that same voice that speaks to us of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who says, I love you, that I shed my blood for you, that I went to the cross for you, and I am not finished with you, that there is work to do, changes to be made, that there is that faithfulness that I will not give up. See, the story is told in the early 19th century when Napoleon Bonaparte was in the middle of a huge battle. Supposedly, his, his advisors came to him. Some of his officers said that if we do not retreat now, we will be annihilated. Then so Napoleon called his bugler and ordered, ordered him to sound the retreat. This 14-year-old boy who is now called to call that sign of retreat began to cry. Napoleon commanded him, sound the retreat, but the bugler replied, I was never taught how to sound a retreat. I was only taught how to sound an advance. Well, in that case, sound the advance. And the bugler sounded that advance, and history records that he won that battle. The fact is, is that you may be calling on God to sound a retreat, that you may be happy to just kind of settle into that status quo, 
but our Lord only knows how to sound in advance that it's called that very fire of God, that God is determined to change us through His presence, through His plan, through His loving provision. Do we see that? That it is that very fire that does not burn up, does not burn out, and it is that very fire that continues to warm our hearts and remind us of all that He has done. So what shall we say? (laughs) That how shall we answer? What if we say, here am I? What if we continue? to trust that He is still at work in us just as He was with Moses, just as He was in His earthly ministry, just as He is now. May that very Lord be the one who continues to kindle that fire within you. Amen.